Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be belatedly discussing the film First Cow. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what is your favorite representation of food in film? I'm Lucas Wrighty, designer from Chicago, and my favorite representation of food and film is from Ratatouille. Surprise, surprise. Um, but the scene where Remy the Mouse um, tries to explain flavor um, by talking about, you know, mm. colors and explosions. And t- so he's eating strawberries and cheese. And that is just, I think, a beautiful visual for flavor. And I just, I think about that every time I eat strawberries or cheese. Oh, how lovely. Well, I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And this isn't a food movie, but I will never forget the scene in Bridesmaids where she's reached kind of a low in the film and she's feeling very sad and she kind of wants to do something just for herself. And she used to be a baker and um, she goes home and she does all the step, these elaborate steps to make one perfect cupcake. She doesn't make a whole batch of cupcakes or a cake, but she makes just enough batter and she pipes this delicate, beautiful icing flour onto one perfect cupcake and then just eats it for herself. And as a fellow baker and as someone who kind of uses baking as a, a way to take my mind off things and to, um, channel my perfectionist energy into one like source i really related to that scene and i love and i loved the simplicity of it it is a good scene yeah so um today we're gonna be because thanksgiving is just around the corner and i don't know how you feel about this lucas but for me thanksgiving is a holiday just for food like that that's what the holiday <laughs> is for me um it's re- it's really what it's for yeah, and because we're talking about First Cow, which is about, at the heart of it, food and what it means to people, I'm excited to talk about First Cow. But before we do that, I do want to know, what are you feeling this week, Lucas? Yeah. Um, this week, we uh, Chicago entered its second lockdown, um, so nothing has been happening here. But we decided to go through all of Studio Ghibli's movies, which are on HBO Max, um, and watch all the movies from the creator of the studio, Hayao Miyazaki. Um, and he's directed, uh, I think, 11 movies at this point, And we just went through them all um, in order, in chronological order, from when he came out with them in the 80s, um, all the way up through um, his most recent one in 2013. And I'd seen some of them 
Um, some of them I knew basically beep for beat, like my neighbor Totoro. Um, some of them I hadn't seen at all before. Um, and it, but it was for me, it was really fun to go through and watch them and watch like a director progress like that. I think it's it's fun to watch any director do that, but to see like ten movies in a row, um, in you know, in just in one week, where you're seeing, especially from an animation perspective, how much the the medium is changing, but also how much they're changing as a storyteller and um, kind of the th- the themes that they're interested in that keep coming. back back um and i think i really what i really love is um his relationship with nature um nature plays a role in all of his films for the most part um and just he i mean as far as you know big budget animation goes i feel like a lot of um them are about nature and animals and stuff like that but i think his movies really delve into the relationship nature has with humanity and kind of what that balance is um and it was i think it was really fun to see that i think what i would say is if you have i feel like most people have seen my neighbor totoro but if there are two movies that i would suggest i would suggest spirit away spirited away which is, I think, his absolute best movie. Um, it's from 2001. It's the only one that won um, Best Animated Film um, at the Oscars. But it's about a young girl who gets trapped in a, a, a world of spirits, um, and her parents... Uh, and she she has to go through this big you know journey to get her and her parents out, um, but it's on the verge of her like moving to a new school, and so it's all about like her um, kind of discovering herself and changing over. Um, through this world of, you know, all these Japanese spirits. And the other one that I think most people have not seen before is Porco Rosso, um, which is ridiculous, but it's... <clears throat> sorry. Um, <laughs> it's, re- it's it's really weird. Um, it's about <laughs> an Italian World War One fighter pilot who is living as a freelance bounty hunter chasing uh, pirates in the Mediterranean. Um but he's been given a curse that has changed his head into a pig. And so it's about him, uh, you know, <laughs> fighting space or fighting uh, air pirates um, in the Mediterranean after World War One. So it's very noir, like very Humphrey Bogart. Um, <laughs> he's played by Michael Keaton in the, you know, American dubbed version of it. Um, but it's just ridiculous and fun. Um, I think all of his movies have a really good element of really pushing all of the characters and so you never have very one-dimensional characters all of the villains grow all of the people who you think are villains early in the movie who turn out to be um you know just other people that have other things you know that they're interested in i think he does such a good job of um of kind of drawing these people out um so yeah that's that's kind of what, what i've been watching it's been a ton of fun and if you can check them out on uh what is it oh on, check them out on HBO Max. So That's this right. might be a very basic question, but um, when you watch the Studio Ghibli films, what's your go? I know there's some. Some of them have dubbing. Some of them have. Most of them have subtitles. What is your preferred method? That's a great question. So I. <laughs> this is with a very long answer. Sure. Um, so growing up, the ones that I saw, like on VHS, that my parents had, had been dubbed. Like when the movie came out. Um, and were very terrible dubbings. And so I think growing up, I always assumed, like, just watch it in the original Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the original Japanese with subtitles. But when Disney 
uh, made, I guess, a better relationship with um, Studio Ghibli, they ended up re-recording and redubbing all of the movies, I think in like the mid 2000s. Um, So all of them have really good dubs. Um, And so a lot of these was the first time that I'd watched those um, on HBO uh, Max. And so I, I would say watch it with the dubs. If you're someone who really likes subtitles, I think that's 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 great if you want to watch it in the original um japanese but i think the dubs are really good and the the voice actors are fantastic so it's really fun to hear um people that you've heard of pop up in these films okay cool here's where i will admit i have never seen a studio ghibli film and any of them any of them yeah and i've obviously heard amazing things throughout the years it's just something that well i think pre before them being on hbo max they weren't readily accessible other than right. purchasing them, right? Yeah. Um, and so I never really was interested enough to, like, make that leap. And now that they're readily accessible, I'm very excited about that, but I just haven't made it a priority. But I do yeah. know that at some point I will. It's just a matter of, you know, when. And like mm-hmm. I, like you mentioned, now is a good time to, like, start marathons of things. I've enjoyed doing Absolutely. that <laughs> throughout this season. Yeah. I'm definitely excited for you to watch these. I mean, we've, I, I know you, I, I've never been into like anime at all or anything right, like that, same. but we talked about, um, your name, I guess which, a couple of years ago, which, which is a great, great Japanese film. Um, and I think if, yeah, if, if, if you like that, you're absolutely going to love, uh, these movies. I would, I can only vouch for the Studio Ghibli movies directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Sure. <laughs> um, who is the founder of it. They have other ones. I haven't watched any of those. So, right. And from what I hear, they're not as good. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for you to jump in and, and see some of them. Yeah. Well, it is fun to listen to to them and try and figure out who these very famous uh, actors are who are voicing these oh, characters. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of times, they do not match the character design at all. Oh. <laughs> I have a did Ronan Farrow voice a character for one of those movies? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a yeah. fun of yeah. all the, you know, people you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, that's wonderful. Um, what I'm feeling this week is um, season three of The Crown on Netflix. So season mm. four of The Crown was just released. And it's getting great reviews, and it it focuses on Diana. Um, and so I was really excited to see it, but then I realized, oh, I never actually watched season three. That, you know, <laughs> I kind of binged season one and two at the same time. And then uh-huh. when season three came out, there was a part of me that I think was like, oh, well, I'll just wait till season four so that I can binge those two seasons together. And ultimately that is what is now happening um so i just finished season three yesterday um and i'm really excited to start season four um so this conversation i guess is a little like late compared to most people who probably watched the seasons as they currently come out but let me just say season three was really spectacular as the crown typically is um i really adored it and i want to talk about my reaction to one episode in particular, because there's a lot of, I think, standout episodes, but there was one that as soon as, you know, I'm, I'm reading the episode descriptions and at, before each episode starts and this one is about to start. And I realize like, ugh, this episode's going to be a Prince Philip focused episode. And 
of all the characters on the crown, I think I have the least affection for Prince Philip. He's, you know, <laughs> cantankerous and, and you know, sometimes rude and arrogant. And, and so when I saw that there was an episode, like, pretty much about Prince Philip, I was like, oh, I just got to power through this one, you know? Um, and that episode was called Moon Dust. And I was so surprised that it was my favorite of the whole season. I was incredibly moved by this particular episode. It focuses on Prince Philip um, getting excited about men landing on the moon for the first time in 1969, um, while at the same time going through sort of a personal and spiritual crisis. And... Um, I really adored it. I really adored, first of all, um, seeing this excitement about men landing on the moon. And it made me really think about, you know, when was the, was the moon landing the last time the globe has gathered to witness an achievement of humankind? You know, like, is that mm-hmm. the, the most recent time? Um, I can't think of another specific other instance. And it really made me think, what what would be the next thing where everyone in the world will watch and be excited about something like that? Um, and that that unity of the globe is is always very moving to me. And, it, and it's something that I think we've heard astronauts speak of, that when you go to space, you see the world as one thing and not as all these different countries, you know, and people from different places. Um, so that that on its own was very moving. And, and Prince Philip's enthusiasm and excitement for it was very moving. And then I was also incredibly moved by his spiritual journey throughout that episode. Um, and what, you know his frustration with conversations of faith and his ultimate like um need for them at the same time and i just found it incredibly beautiful and the crown is so good at doing exactly that taking characters that you have maybe a little bit of disdain for or you don't have a lot in common with and finding their humanity and, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just really excited every time I watch a new episode about, like, what story they're going to tell and, and what new I'm going to learn about myself by watching it. So I'm really excited to start yeah. season four. I absolutely loved season three. And I think um, I think a lot of the criticism they hear about The Crown is just about, about like, okay, it's a show about, you know, rich people right. <laughs> who actually do, who don't really have all that much control just kind of living their life and doing their thing. And so like, it's not interesting in my mind. That is what makes it interesting is because they're actually dealing with that. It's not the characters just, you know, riding around having fun. It is them dealing with the fact that they don't have power and they don't really have a lot of control over their life and not, not, not necessarily, um, you don't necessarily sympathize with their place in life, but you do sympathize with the feelings that they're having about that. Um, you know, lack of and i think that that episode specifically really digs into that of his feeling like you know he ha, he there's nothing for him to accomplish he has no place in this world right now mm-hmm. and um i think i yeah i absolutely love that episode as well and i think it's a great show and yeah. season four is gonna be amazing i I haven't started it yet but I i'm know. very excited i'm incredibly excited to start season four um i you know 
while that episode was a particular standout for me, the I wish we could have gotten so much more in season three of the Charles and the Camilla of it all. Um, just for like my own, you know, soapy, selfish reasons. <laughs> what I really, as we were watching it, was like, I don't want, necessarily want more of this in The Crown, but I want a whole different show that's just about Charles, Camilla, Anne, and Andrew Parker Bowles, and and then eventually Diana. Like just <laughs> about those characters. And would the, you want a like a documentary thing, or would you want something like more soapy? No, soapy, like more okay, Gossip yeah. Girl, like. Like yeah. something that's like <laughs> sexy and dramatic and you know <laughs> tragic, all of those things. Um, oh man, the, the crown is not as sexy as as I want that story to be told. You know, <laughs> um, it's just so right. I mean, romance mo- novels could only dream of the type of like tragic dr- dramatics of that love square. You know, ultimately love yeah. pentagon, right? Yeah. Um, so that's very, very fascinating to me and would love like a, it, that story to be told in a different setting. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for the Diana and the Margaret Thatcher of it all. What is it? You're either in or you're out right now. Let's next move on to a segment that we haven't been able to do for a while. One of our favorites. It's called. Yes. In or out. So this is a segment where we review movie trailers and we decide whether after seeing this movie trailer, we are in or out on this film. And like I mentioned, we haven't had a lot of trailers come out because a lot of movies haven't been coming out. Um, But we've gotten kind of a rush of them recently. Um, More movies are deciding to just release themselves or more studios are deciding to release their films on streaming platforms it's the movies that are deciding to release yeah, the movies the movies are like toy story <laughs> they're like sentient <laughs> beings that are like we shall go on to streaming <laughs> um but yeah now that studios are just kind of giving throwing in the towel and saying fine we'll just put it on streaming um we're seeing a lot of trailers that i think were being held back from us um so let's go, I believe, in the order that they're being released. First up, we have a trailer for a movie that's very about to come out very soon. Um, perhaps by the time you're listening to this, it's already been out. But it's for a movie called Happiest Season. Um, it is directed by Clea Duvall, and it stars Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart. And it's a holiday romantic comedy that captures the range of emotions tied to wanting your family's acceptance, being true to yourself, and not trying to ruin Christmas. All that to be said, it is a story about a lesbian couple who is visiting one of the woman's families for Christmas, but the family doesn't know that she is gay or that they are in a couple. And um, a very kind of, like, you know, tropey gay movie premise which i don't love the premise let me say but with <laughs> it feels very i i think i technically this feels very um uh hallmark channel See, and when you said that premise. i <laughs> got angry with you lucas and now you're doing it again because hallmark <laughs> would never make a movie like this hallmark decidedly doesn't make queer movies and this is not a hallmark premise and you saying it's, that makes me cl- clear that you've never watched a Hallmark movie. I've watched 
a Hallmark movie okay. for sure. Um, <laughs> a Hallmark movie would be like but big city girl the, comes home and falls in yes. love with a tree cutter. Like that's the, the a Hallmark vibe, movie. Well, that's that is like I I think besides the fact that this is a queer relationship, <laughs> everything else about this movie feels very Hallmarky to me, except for the big cast. I think it's got a great cast. I think it looks very fun and exciting. I'm gonna have a blast watching it for sure. I don't know if it'll be any good. But it doesn't matter to me, I think, at this point. <laughs> yeah. So what I would say is that I don't think this seems like a Hallmark movie. I am incredibly excited for this movie. Primarily because of the cast and it's being directed by Clea Duvall. Um, this movie just seems like exactly what I want to be watching right now. My all-time favorite Christmas movie is The Family Stone. And it's the perfect blend of, like, comedy and family drama with just a little bit of, like... Um, bitter emotional truth, you know? And this movie, I feel like, could have the potential to be of that ilk, you know? And also, it is exciting for, like, queer stories to have star-studded casts of and making generic Christmas movies. And that, like, averageness is something that is exciting to me about it. Um, but I do think that this looks very charming. I think it's a great trailer. And ultimately, I'm a major Kristen Stewart fan. And she doesn't often get the opportunity to play lighthearted roles. Um, the only example I can think of in recent memory is Charlie's Angels, a movie that was bad, but she was <laughs> wonderful in. And... This looks like the perfect role for her, and I can't wait to see Kristen Stewart do comedy, something I think she's fully equipped to do, but doesn't get the opportunity to, and I'm just really, really, really excited for this movie. It's I, my most anticipated movie as of now, seeing that it's coming out in a few days. Um, this movie comes <laughs> out on November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving, and it comes out on Hulu, so watch it with your fam um, over nice. the holiday. Um, so we're both in on that. Yes, for awesome. sure. Okay, let's move on. The next movie that we are going to talk about, the next trailer we're going to talk about is Let Them All Talk, a Steven Soderbergh movie that's coming out on HBO Max on December 10th. It stars Meryl Streep, Gemma Chan, Diane Weist, um, Candace Bergen, and Lucas Hedges. And it is about a famous author who goes on a cruise ship with her friends and her nephew, um, and her nephew is kind of charged with, like, wrangling this group of, like, older women. Um, and let me just say before we talk about this trailer that I heard that premise and those actors and that it was Steven Soderbergh. And I was like, this movie might become one of my favorite movies. Like, I <laughs> sign me up. I don't even need the trailer. Um, I want to know, Lucas, what you whether you were anticipating this film and what you thought of when you saw the trailer. I was not anticipating this film at all. I know Steven Soderbergh like cranks through movies, and he, you, I feel like you never know how sure. his movies are going to be. I saw the trailer for this, and I was so pumped. I don't think this is going to be like um, an amazing Oscar nominated movie, but I will say. It seems like in the past like five years, the key to getting your movie nominated for Best Picture is to have Meryl Streep or Lucas Hedges in it. Yeah. So the fact that they're both <laughs> gets me real pumped. Yeah, I think the cast is great. I think the premise is awesome. I'm just and it's coming to HBO Max, so I'm so excited about this. Yeah. Um, I yeah, 
No, 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 yeah. no downside. Very I'm, I'm in on this trailer. Um, the trailer isn't as flashy of like a comedy as I think I anticipated it would be. Um, mm-hmm. But it still looks incredibly charming. And the Lucas, you know, Meryl Streep is always something that you're like, oh, she's in a movie. I'm interested in it. Whether I see it or not is a different question, but I'm definitely going to be interested, right? The Lucas Hedges of it all. In the Lucas Hedges Timothy Chalamet Wars, I think I might ultimately be more of a Lucas Hedges girl. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, think, I would never have thought of that. I think Timothy Chalamet is definitely more glamorous and, and charming. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I adore his work as a performer. But, you know, I think Lucas Hedges makes interesting movies. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. And I'm fascinated by his picks and his performances. And I really think he is an actor's actor and his work is showing that so far so him in a movie with these really distinguished like excellent older female actresses also is very exciting to me i i'm excited to see him play with those performers and um yeah this movie just seems so up my alley and i can't wait for december 10th when it's out on hbo max same all right let's keep it moving um, the next movie we have is Pieces of a Woman. Now, this is a film um, from a director I've never heard of. Do you? Know, are you familiar with this director, Lucas? I'm not. No. Um, his name I I will butcher his pronunciation because um, he's from Hungary. Is Cornel Mandrusko? Druxo? That is. Yeah. I, I'm, better than I would have done. <laughs> I'm not familiar with him at all or any of his work. Um. But I have heard of this film because it's starring Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf. Um, And it's about um, a grieving woman who embarks on an emotional journey after the loss of her baby. And this is a movie that I heard a lot of buzz about before this trailer came out. Um, That Vanessa Kirby is just delivering an an amazing performance in this film. Um, And when the trailer came out... I was really surprised at, like, how much I wanted to see this movie. Because the subject matter is obviously tragic. And, um, you know, sometimes movie, movies like that, you're like, ugh, do, am I really going to put myself through that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But this trailer was very compelling. And I want to know what you thought of it. Yeah, I mean... I feel like every Oscar year we get a couple movies that seem absolutely devastating, but, but really good. Um, this definitely feels like one of those. I love Vanessa Kirby. I'm so excited that she's in this. Um, I still feel weird about, um, Oh, what's his name? Shia Buff. Um, but I, think he's going to be great in this um so as playing her husband um i i really really am excited about this movie even though i'm very very not looking forward to the experience of watching it um i think it's going to be painful but i think it's going to be really really good um so you're not a shia labeouf fan i no um (laughs) i'm not i think recently in the last like couple years seeing honey boy and um he was in the he peanut butter Honey Boy, falcon, but... but he wasn't Honey Boy. 
he played his father. Oh, duh. Yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> um, I never saw um, Peanut Butter Falcon, but I heard that it was pretty great. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see it either. I think mostly just interviews and stuff like that. I think recently, I feel like he's gotten himself in a really good place. Yeah. Um, and I feel like before that, I, every time I watched him, I was always like, "Are you okay? Like, is is everything going sure. fine?" And I couldn't focus on his performance. Yeah. Um. So I think I think that. I think that is changing, so I'm I am excited to see him in this. I'm a big Shia LaBeouf fan. I he is an age. I think especially earlier in his personal life, he is an agent of chaos. Um, yes, but I've always interpreted as not a vicious one. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and there, my sympathy has always gone out to him. And I, and I, I do think you're right that in like recent days, he seems to have like found a good balance in his life and um as a performer i'm always mesmerized by him i always am fascinated by his like raw talent and um and energy so and and vanessa kirby is someone who i really can't take my eyes off of whenever i see her in a movie right like yeah we i haven't gotten to see a lot we have we've had the crown um Mission Impossible and the Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, right? Have you seen her in anything else? Um, I feel like that's it. So, Mission Impossible and yeah. Hobbs and Shaw are like the only two movies I've seen her in, and then she was wonderful in The Crown. But about time, that's what I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I mean, she's she's barely in it. She's sure, the best sure. friend. But well, that, in, yeah, in those two action films. She's in films with truly, literally the biggest movie stars in the world, like (laughs) The Rock and Tom Cruise, right? And she takes my eyes off of them. She, her, her sparkle, her charisma, her performance. I I wanted the movies to focus more on her as they were happening, and so that alone makes me so excited for her career and. Hearing that her performance in this is really excellent makes me excited for this movie. And um, having her being paired with someone like Shia LaBeouf, who I think is such like this fireball of performance energy, um, and having him be the a lead but still sort of the supporting character to the main lead, mm-hmm. I think is really exciting. I think like that's like such a perfect dynamic for the both of them, and I can't wait to watch it, even though it obviously will rip my heart into (laughs) because of the subject matter (laughs) yes um so this movie is coming out i believe in certain theaters in december but it's going to be on netflix in uh on on netflix on january 7th um so technically i guess this is one of those movies that's technically a 2020 film even though um yeah (laughs) we won't have access to it till the next year um okay so Another trailer that just recently came out is Regina King's, I believe this is her directorial debut? Um, I think so. It is a film called One Night in Miami. And it's a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gather to discuss their roles in the civil rights movement and the cultural upheaval of the 60s. That's the IMDb description. Um, and it stars... And I, I do... Sorry, ahead, just to jump in. 
this is Regina King's 16th thing to direct. Oh, She's goodness. done a lot of TV okay. and, a, and a couple TV movies, but this is, I guess, the first theatrical Got movie. it. That makes sense. Um, as yeah. I was saying it, I thought, like, surely this isn't, you know, I, sh- I feel like she has done something, but nothing that I yeah. can recall. So that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Um, it stars, oh gosh, a lot of people. Um, yes. <laughs> Kingsley Benadir, Eli Gorey, Aldous Hodge, Leslie Odom Jr., um, plus a lot more. Um, so I was, I had heard of this film, um, because of it being Regina King's like big, you know, directorial movie that people were talking about. Um, and I also feel like I heard a lot of buzz about it specifically because of Leslie Odom Jr. Um, having a lead role in it and this kind of being his, for Ray into lead actor film stardom, you know, after mm-hmm. like Hamilton made him such a, a a well-known name. So I was anticipating this film. Um, but I'll have to admit that this trailer, I think that this movie is probably going to be a great movie that didn't get a great trailer. Um, yeah. I think that trailer the same way. was a little chaotic. <laughs> I I couldn't mm-hmm. really like it was just so fast moving that I never really got a firm footing on what was fully happening and what this movie was going to be about, you know? Um, and, but nevertheless, even though that trailer wasn't, didn't blow me away, I'm excited for this film because the subject matter and all of the talent involved has me incredibly excited. What about you? I, I'm also, I feel the exact same way. I don't think the trailer was fantastic but i did get excited seeing like seeing aldous hodges as jim brown yeah. i think i love aldous hodges and i, I am excited really excited to see him love here. him so much i'm so glad that you mentioned him because he is the thing yeah. that i'm most excited about in this film i yeah. have been such a fan of his ever since he did this like i don't know if it was tnt or something show called yep. leverage leverage yeah he's such, i loved it <laughs> he's so good he's so charismatic and yeah. he was recently in um the really really terrible film what women or what men want um that was sort of like oh, a gender he? flipped version of what women want the movie mm-hmm. was very very bad but he plays <laughs> the like sexy love interest um and he was fantastic he was a shining moment in that very bad film and yeah. it was like this guy is good even in the bad stuff, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, he is someone whose career I've always been rooting for. And I really hope that this is the film that like really propels him into getting to do whatever kind of work he wants to do. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, this year he's been in the invisible man and this. So oh, I feel that's like interesting. I still need to see the invisible man. I didn't realize he was in that. I would say he's like the number two character. Okay. In that, that cool. Movie. The number two visible character in that movie. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And so it's also interesting that this movie, it's like a fictional account of like, um, it, it can, I don't know if you know this, Lucas, but like, did this night, did these people actually all hang out together in one night or is it like an imagined thing of, it's an, yeah, it's an imagined thing. These people all came together. Yeah. In my head, this is based on a play. I don't think it is actually based on a play. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think, I think what happened was all of these people were in that town at the same time. Okay. Um, 
and th- someone kind of created this around that. I think Kemp Powers has talked a little bit about kind of um, putting this t- this idea together. Um, um, and I think I think it's very interesting because these people do have a bunch of different philosophies yeah. about you know, about the sixties and about the civil rights movement and everything like that. So I'm very curious and I love Sam cook and I'm very curious to see what a representation of Sam cook is going to look like in a movie like this. Yeah. So I, I'm pumped about this movie, no matter how the trailer went. <laughs> I adore this concept. Like, I, yeah. I mean, just talking about the crown earlier, I do really enjoy like a historical fiction and like imagining with the acknowledgement of like, okay, the, we don't know what, how these conversations played out. So, like, this is our imagined version, right? And taking it even further to say, like, what if all these people hung out together, you know? And mm-hmm. what would those conversations be like? I love that imaginative concept. And I would love to see more people play with history that way, you know? Um, taking yeah. figures we know and putting them in situations they were may never have been in but what would it have been like if they were? Um, I think it's very cool. I, I just looked at it. It is based on a play. Ken Powers wrote okay. the play, and then cool. he adapted it that as makes, well. And I will say, Ken Power has two movies that he wrote coming out on Christmas Day. What is the other <laughs> so one? So this and Soul. Oh, wow. What a big day. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so like you said, this movie is coming out in theaters on Christmas Day. Um but is coming out, I believe, on Amazon Prime on January 15th. Yeah. So, and here, we're just going to take another moment to say, hey, people, as much as we love movies <laughs> and see movies in theaters, don't go do that right now. Yeah. It's silly. Yeah. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Just me on my soapbox one more time. Um, Not one more time. It'll happen every episode, sure. I think. <laughs> Thank you for indulging. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. We have one last trailer that I want to know whether you're in or out on. And that is for a sci-fi, adventure sci-fi film called Chaos Walking. It stars Tom Holland, Mads Mikkelsen, and Daisy Ridley. It's directed by Doug Liman, who, if I'm not mistaken, is he the Born Identity guy? No. Um, Doug Liman is the Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, no, he did. He produced the the Born Identity, but yes. he didn't uh, direct it. Got it. Uh, oh no, he did direct the Born Identity. Wow! In my head, this whole time, to, uh, Todd Greengrass. What's his well, name? Well, I mean, he he didn't direct all the Born Identity movies. I think he he just directed the first, the one. first one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. I was thinking Paul Greengrass directed all of them. Yes, he directed the second two. Okay, um, you're right. He is the Born Identity guy. A, a great movie to have to your name, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so this is the the IMDb description says this movie is. A dystopian world where there are no women, and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. Um, I had no idea that this movie was being made. Like, had it was not on my radar at no, all. No, 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 no. We talked about this. Did we, we really? One hundred percent talked about this because this was almost my most anticipated movie of two thousand nineteen. Wow. We talked about it. But it got delayed, and so I it I didn't make it my and now I mean it's still super delayed. Yeah, well, it truly slipped my mind because (laughs) after that conversation, I never heard about it, not once (laughs) on Twitter or anything. What did you think of Luke? So this is a a concept that you were excited about, um, and now the trailer has come out. How are you feeling? (laughs) So. 
the concept super excited about super excited about the cast super excited about everybody involved i will say doug lyman makes hit or miss movies but i love doug lyman as a director if there we're going on a side tangent right now but if there was a director that i would want the most for them to do a um blank check episode uh, mm. season about it would be doug lyman for me because of the range of his movies he directed swingers which is um Vince Vaughn and John Favreau's first movies together. Um, he directed Go, which is the first movie that John August wrote, um, and Melissa McCarthy's entry into the world. <laughs> um, he directed The Bourne Identity. He directed Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He directed um, Edge of Tomorrow, obviously. I, like He has just done a bunch of different things and worked with a bunch of different actors. And so I am always excited for a Doug Lyman project, even if it's not going to be great. Um, but the cast in this movie... Tom Holland, Mad Mickelson, Daisy Ridley. I just think, I, and written by Christ, Christopher Ford, who directed uh, Spider Man, uh, Homecoming. Yeah, the first one, Homecoming, um, and has also done some other good movies like Cop Car and uh, The Clovis Killer. I just think Spider-Man. everybody involved in this is super talented, and I'm I was really excited about it. I watched the trailer, and I'm no longer excited for this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, it looked bad. <laughs> it looked real yeah, bad. Yeah, that is not. It is not a good trailer. <laughs> like that trailer is. I mean, the the movie is called Chaos Walking. That trailer is chaos. I you're watching it, and you're like, yeah. wait, what is this premise? Like, yes, it is. It's all men. It's it's a world of men, and you can hear their thoughts and all like, the time. Even though and this I woman got like, that from the trailer, I'm still like unclear on the premise. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know it makes no sense as to what exactly is happening, and like it just all of it is seems to be done very poorly. <laughs> yeah, because I think a trailer, a, a good trailer, gives you an idea of like the vibe of the movie, right? And then also mm-hmm. like what the main story is gonna be. You know, who are the characters, what is the objective, and what is the world, right? This kind yeah. of sets up the world, kind of, because it's like, I guess they're on another planet, question mark? Like, who knows? <laughs> All we really know is, like, the whole you can hear the thoughts thing. Um, but it doesn't really set up, like, what the story is or what the objective is going to be for the story. Just that, like, there's yeah. action and, like... <laughs> And it's a it is a bad trailer. Um, this is a movie that like obviously I don't think it's going to be great because of the fact that like we haven't heard anything about it and they're releasing a big action film in January. Even in the pandemic, mm-hmm. that's like not a good sign, right? Um, this movie comes out January twenty second, and it's not even. I don't think it's going to be on a streaming service either, which also I kind of think bodes ill for it. Um, but here's what I will say. It is, the concept is interesting enough that I still will probably watch it. And I am excited to see Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley leading films that are not their franchise films. Um, and so, and to, so to see Tom Holland not as Spider-Man and to see Daisy Ridley, like, not as Ray is something I'm very interested in. I'm I'm a fan of both of them as performers, especially Tom Holland. Tom Holland, I think, is, like, 
really, really talented, and I'm excited to see him have... I, I would like to see him have some success outside of Marvel. See, um, that is interesting, because based off this trailer, I actually started to question whether I like Tom Holland. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think this is a classic case of yeah. very talented star having very bad luck or bad choices yeah. in films. Yeah. Because so far we've got I feel like it's, Devil All the Time... Yeah. Which, do you think he was bad yeah. in that, or was just the movie just bad? I think the movie was just bad. I don't think he was bad in it. Yeah. I, I think that this is just a case of, you know, there are certain actors that I love a lot, but they don't pick good movies, or they don't get offered good movies, whatever the case may yeah. be, you know? Um, I think David Oyelowo, who is also in this movie, <laughs> is on that train. Like, I feel like I love him. I just feel like he's, like, his percentage is low. His yeah. hit percentage is bad. Right. So. So I really hope that, um, my hope for this film is that it's, like, just kind of, like, fun. And, Lucas, you and I had a discussion yesterday uh, via off the podcast about movies that I would classify as bonkers. Um, yes. It's a very specific category of movies, you know, that, that are like bonkers. And there are movies that are bonkers and bad, and there, there are some that are bonkers and good, and f- some of them are fun, some of them are not, you know. Um, this movie, I think, has the potential to be bonkers. And y- yeah, <laughs> and it does not look like it'll be fun or good, <laughs> right? So it's the worst category of bonkers where it's neither fun or good, right? But here's the thing. Even the ones that are not fun or good, but are still bonkers, right? Mm-hmm. Just them being bonkers, sometimes that's just enough, you know? Sometimes <laughs> it's just enough to sit through something and, and, and wonder, how, how is this happening? Like, what? Why did they decide to do this, you know? Sometimes See, that awe is enough for me. No, not for me. Not for me. If it's yeah. a bonkers movie, it has to be either fun or good i can't yeah. just do bonkers on its own so Can, what what is an example of bonkers on its own that you like disliked bonkers on its own where's that list i made <laughs> <laughs> we, we made a whole list alita battle angel oh interesting i did not i did not find that movie fun or enjoyable at all but it is absolutely bonkers huh that's interesting because that's something that i've been meaning to check out um yeah i think you would probably find it uh, you you would watch it. I don't know if you would actually find it fun or not. Okay. I mean, it's definitely not good, but I, I don't know if you'd find it fun or not, but I think you would enjoy watching it. Sure. Because it's bonkers. Yeah. The <laughs> the only movie that we were able to come up with... So let's get... Can we get, let's run through our examples just so people can have some context? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so do you have your list in front of you? I do. Yes. So basically, I'll put this picture in the show notes just (laughs) to illustrate what we're talking about. But if we're talking about the categories of bonkers, you have the overlapping circles of good and fun within that. And so you have movies that fall that are just good and bonkers. You have movies that fall in just fun and bonkers. And then movies that specifically what we want are bonkers movies that are good and fun, which we were only able to find one. We were able to find one. So movies that are bonkers that I have written down here are that are neither good or fun are Mortal Engines, High Rise, and Elite Battle Angel. Right. And I've only seen of those High Rise, which I would agree was okay. neither good nor fun. Yes, but definitely bonkers. Definitely bonkers. <laughs> yeah. And and really quickly, I just want to say what my definition of bonkers is. It's not yeah, that's a good idea. you know, weird or absurd or just crazy. Um 
Because a lot of movies are those things. Bonkers specifically is a movie that you're watching it. And for me, you have to say, like, what the fuck is going on right now? (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, you're in shock that the people who made this movie made this decision and got away with it. You know? Um, Yeah. Or, like, they're kind of all over the place in ways that you didn't expect. There's this element of surprise that's not twist-related, but more surprise at the fact that, like, those decisions were made for this film. Um, yeah. For me, I think a lot of times you come out of the movie wanting to like list things for other people right. of things that were in the movie. Like these crazy things happened in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't necessarily necessarily get into like the plot or the story of the movie, but you're like listen to all of these crazy things that were here. Yeah. You so those were our bonkers yes. but neither good nor fun. Correct. Mortal Engines, High Rise and Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. Movies that are fun and bonkers but not good are Valerian City of the Thousand Planets, Aquaman, and Jupiter Ascending. Of those, I've only seen Aquaman. Um, okay. So I I can't attest to Valerian or like Mortal Engines or Lita, but Jupiter Ascending is a movie that I haven't seen, but I am sure is bonkers. Yes. From what I yes. know of it, I'm like that's a bonkers yes. movie and fun. Yeah, I think that 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 is that is the key to that one. Yeah. <laughs> it is also fun. <laughs> Truly bonkers, though. Yeah. Um, So then on the other side, we have movies that are bonkers and good, but not fun. And those are movies like Mother and Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Especially Mother. I have mixed feelings about Sorry to Bother You, about how good it is. Um, Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it is good. I don't know that it's – it's definitely not bad. Um, Yeah. But Mother is a movie that I think is very good and very bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Agreed. Yeah. Perfect example of that. And then the perfect overlap, which is a bonkers movie that is also good and also fun. The only one that we were able to come up with is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. And I would say, you know, like it is the least bonkers of all those movies, um, in my opinion, but it is still ultimately a bonkers movie, but it is one that has reached the peak. Um, true. Yeah. And, I do want to just add that one of my favorite bonkers movies of recent um, times is a movie called Vox Lux starring Natalie Portman. Um, No one saw this movie because it got horrible reviews. Um, And I think it got horrible reviews because people didn't appreciate the bonkers of it all, you know? (laughs) And it is a movie that is not really fun, and I would say it is good, but most people probably <laughs> wouldn't. <laughs> so this would fall in the category of movies that I really don't like, which are bonkers movies that are neither fun nor good. Yeah, but Lucas, this is the category of those movies that even though it's neither fun nor good, I think you need to see it. No. See, I think I think that's where we differ. I think you want to see bonkers movies no matter what. And that's I not only true. want to see that them is not if true, they are fun Because not good. all of them do I want to see. There's a lot that like are not my taste, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think especially like in the horror genre, right? Yeah, we didn't even get into horror. I'm sure there are more, but right. I we didn't. Yeah, um, we didn't jump into that. But this is one. It's so bonkers, and it is interesting. Whether it's good or not is is a different question. But it is very interesting, and I think you would like it because it deals with like entertainment and celebrity, and like, and it feels like a a play in a way, and so. I think you'd I think you'd find it interesting. I will watch Vox Lux. Oh, maybe I if guess. I win the Oscar bet again next year, <laughs> I'll make you watch Vox Lux. We'll see. Um, okay. 
So our, our hopes are that chaos walking falls into one of those categories. Um, yes. And you know, we have some fun with it. Um, that movie comes out January 22nd, I think just in theaters. So we'll see where we are then. Um, all right. After an extensive in or out segment, <laughs> one, a segment we missed so dearly that we had to make it extra long. I know um, it's true. I feel like that could be its own podcast at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lucas, are you ready to talk about First Cow? Let's do it. is a movie that came out right before the pandemic struck the United States. Um, Just like right, right before it. And they, I think initially were planning on pushing the release and re-releasing it in theaters, which ultimately they kind of did. I think, you know, my local independent theater um, showed it as like a drive-in screening during the summer. Um, but then I think by July, they just put it out on VOD for people to watch. So we are behind the times on seeing First Cow. Um, but it is a movie that, like, I was highly anticipating. And like I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, now that it's Thanksgiving time and it's a time where we're thinking about food and and family and eating together, this film about a cook who has traveled to the West and starts baking um, for these men living out in the West um, felt appropriate to review right now. Um, so what was, how, how did you feel about First Cow before you had seen it? What were you anticipating and how did you feel about the movie? So I, I was excited for it, for sure. I am not a huge fan of Kelly Reichardt. Oh, interesting. Um, I think... I her in, her movies are so interesting to me, um, but they don't grab me at all. Mm. So like certain women and Meeks cut off are two movies that I was like, I absolutely love the premise. I'm so excited about them. And both of them, I was just kind of like, yeah, I think she's a really good director who does a lot of really interesting stuff. I feel like she just isn't for me. <laughs> mm. Um it just like everything she does just doesn't necessarily align with what I like. But I like every movie that she comes out with though, I'm like, you know, I'll I'll, I'll try it out. I might I might like this one cuz all of her premises are great. Mostly I think because they're they're western-ish. Right. Um adjacent, I would say. Like I think Meek's Cutoff is her most western. Um uh I mean this is this movie is also a western set in, you know, Oregon during what would be the Western age. Um, but they're so, I guess, anti-traditional Westerns um, with their, you know, their themes and just, you know, the way they're shot and everything about them are just not <laughs> very typical what you think of um, Western, um, which I, I also like that. I think what, it, what is hard for me with her movies is um, how slow they are and how, I guess, ambling the plot is when it doesn't have to be (laughs) the motivations are i think a little less clear in a lot of her movies so all that to say coming into this i was excited to see it but i wasn't like i I didn't think that i would absolutely love it how did you how do you feel now spoiler alert 
I didn't love it. Okay. I thought it was I thought it was really good. I thought it was well done. Um, absolutely. I thought all the acting in it was fantastic. I would say I even liked this movie. Um, but it wasn't something that I would probably ever watch again. Um, I think a lot of the deeper things about it, to me, resonated more than the movie as a whole coming together. Well, I'm very disappointed to hear you say that because I feel the same way. Um, I was Ugh. really hoping. I was really hoping you'd love it. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you'd love it too because this is a film that has gotten like really rave reviews from all the critics I love. Like, yeah, a lot of people saying it's the best movie of the year. Um, just like people love this film, and so I wanted to love it, and I was kind of hoping you would, and that you would infect me, you know, with <laughs> yeah. your energy. But I, I, I felt the same way. Um, I was highly anticipating this film. I, you like westerns, but I do not. Um, mm-hmm. But the trailer for this, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be the western that wins me over. You know, this is going to be the yeah. one that does it. And specifically because it's a Western about a man who bakes. I mean, if this movie <laughs> couldn't do it, what could? What more do you want? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I will say there are – there's plenty of – there's plenty in this movie that I found incredibly beautiful, moving, charming, like lovely. Mm-hmm. So this is not a bad movie by any – means but it is a movie that i had incredibly high expectations for and it didn't meet them um you know i think again expectations are such a big part of film watching for me if if this movie had no build-up you know if no one had if i didn't have every critic i know recommending it and saying it's one of the best movies of the year and i had just like seen it in my local theater because i you know it was playing and i saw in the trailer i really liked I might be coming away from this movie with a very different mindset, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But with the mindset I have now, it is a film that at times I really loved, but um, also uh, for things that I can't say until we get to spoilers, left left me like dissatisfied with um, the film as a whole, you know, and and not falling in love with it versus, you know, um just i only only liking it yeah. Yeah. um i think do we talk about what the film's about a little bit so it uh, i'll read the imdb uh description it says a skilled yeah. cook has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in oregon though he only finds true connection with a chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune soon the two collaborate on a successful business which is um selling baked goods because the reason the movie's called first cow is a cow has come into the area. Um, and the, the, the milk of the cow allows this cook to bake little cakes to sell to other, um, travelers. So I think, I think like the relationship between these two characters is lovely. And I Mm -hmm. absolutely adored that. And I think as I was watching it, I was like, we don't get enough movies that are just about friendship and about like true friendship. Yeah. I feel like friendship is sometimes a discovery that happens throughout a movie, but the movie isn't necessarily about kind of a, a friendship. Right. Um, it's usually about some kind of romantic love or a connection that way. Um, or there's friendships that happen in the movie, but this is truly, I think a movie about friendship and what it's like to kind of, <laughs> 
you know, find someone that you can be a really close friend with. Um, and I, I, as I was watching it, that was kind of like, man, yeah, we need more movies like this. Yeah. I like, I like that about it. Um, and I think she handles that really well. Like the, the growing relationship between these, these two men and kind of seeing what their relationship is like with everyone else in that world. And I think I really liked the use of a lot of the smaller characters where you can see them come in, how they clash or connect with other characters, even in just these small ways. I really like how all of that is handled. I think what I want from that then is showing <laughs> what that means then i guess to the plot of the movie mm. and i like a good movie plot and i think i think for me that's just where this fell apart is is there's not a lot of plot and it doesn't connect in the ways that i think i wanted it to yeah and that is not the fault of anybody other than i think me other than it just doesn't connect with what i was wanting sure um so I feel very similarly in that, like, I feel like the fault is with me, like, <laughs> and not this film, because for me, the parts of this film that I was in love with it was, I love how tender and gentle this movie is. And mm-hmm. it's very gentle. And the scenes that are the most gentle, which I can talk about in spoilers, are the scenes in which I was riveted. And I was like, this movie is just for me, you know? And then the scenes in which the movie tries to build plot and tension did not work for me. And the tension that this movie creates is what left me, like, dissatisfied. And I I just wish, you know, this is just me wishing for a different movie than what it was, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But I just wish that this could have been a movie... Without this tense plot that it that it contrives, and more mm-hmm. of just a movie of these t- tender moments, and maybe with like an a less high stakes plot, you know, and a movie that could yeah. have just examined like domesticity, and it does examine mm-hmm. domesticity, but I wish that that could have just been the main focus of the film. Yeah. I think when you say less of a high stakes plot, I think the plot itself is low stakes. I think the right. film treats it as higher stakes than it should for like what the rest of the movie is doing. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, a hundred percent agree with, with all of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that, yeah, there's a lot that we can talk about in spoilers for kind of where this movie goes, but yeah, um, well, I think we're ready to talk about spoilers yeah. and just to say Let's that like, this is a movie that, I I liked but didn't love, but can mm-hmm. see why other people would love it. So I'm not, you know, yep. saying people shouldn't watch this film. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Okay, let's get into spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. So to immediately kind of talk about the high stakes, quote unquote, plot um, that I was referencing, (laughs) I feel like this movie made me fall so deeply in love with this tender character, right? This, the Mm -hmm. the cookie. I'll go over in a little Mm -hmm. bit all the ways in which I love this character. But so then any risk to his well-being was so hard to watch. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Watching it, someone online said that this movie was like uncut gems for the Wild West because, like, oh gosh, <laughs> like 
they're like it, it's the same amount of stakes is you know like doing that yeah. was the same as like stealing or you know whatever whatever uncut gems is about um but <laughs> it did remind me of watching movie like I, I didn't see uncut gems but i saw good time where you're just like i hate feeling this kind of tension you know um yeah i don't like movies where i feel that kind of tension the whole time and at the same time acknowledging like obviously movies have to have plot and conflict you know but this mm-hmm. movie the gentleness was so unbearably lovely <laughs> that you're like i know that this is going to go wrong i know something bad is going to happen because this is a movie right and just waiting for that bad thing to happen felt rough i don't know yeah. did you did you feel the same way uh similarly i think i think what how it felt for me is because of the way the movie opens right with the, the the skeletons buried you're like all right these are the two guys <laughs> like, right. this is them what uh you know what gets them there and so because there really isn't a plot until like halfway through the movie it's just kind of meanders for a while yeah um i think you still have that hanging over you which i think helps keep you engaged um i think where it really where i really don't like it is like you said when the tension does ramp up when they are stealing milk from this cow and i think in the beginning it's fine but as it continues and they even do the like this is our like the one last job line where yeah. it's like <laughs> we're doing this one last time and every like you know you know it's not going to work um and also because you know kind of how it ends like it 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 doesn't need i in my head it doesn't need to be as high stakes as it as it is yeah. in that moment um because it's not the movie that i wanted is where it, well, yeah so and I, I think on one hand i think the skeletons at the beginning is like a really beautiful way of like explaining the ending without graphically showing the ending you know what i mean yeah yeah i i I appreciate that about this and like that is i think a beautiful artistic decision but on in a structural sense what it does is towards the end is like you don't have any hope you know you know that they're not gonna escape you know that they're probably not gonna die old together like yeah (laughs) Yeah. together dying old so you know like what fate awaits them and that is so you you're just sad you know Mm -hmm. the moment that as soon as they start talking about wanting to leave you know that they're not gonna leave and and there's this just tragedy in that um so that so that was hard i think for me to handle um yeah the whole milk stealing was also so stressful. Like, especially because <laughs> the first time it's very understandable. And then the other times you're like, you have so much money. Can't you try to buy milk from him? You know, like, or yeah, like say like, Hey, I'm this great baker and you have a cow. Like let's work out a deal, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, and you want my baked goods anyway. It just felt like there was an, there was, opportunity there and not because like i think it was wrong to steal from that guy you know like i don't really <laughs> yeah, not yeah. not even on a moral level more on an anxiety level like yeah stop putting yourselves at risk stop creating this anxiety in your life and like find another way <laughs> and and usually in a situation like that i feel like there is something that's driving them for the risk 
It's like, right. it's like what, usually in situations like this, what you realize is, you know what? They love the risk and that's yeah. why they're doing this. Not because right. of the money, not because of whatever. It's because right. they love the risk. And in this movie, they actually don't love the risk. Yeah. Or <laughs> and at so there's least no reason Cookie for them to do this. You know, like. Cookie does it. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe. But you also don't even, you don't even get the kind of the, the perception that, um, uh, what's his name? The other guy. King Lou. It's K- King Lou. Yeah. The, the King Lou loves the risk. Like, he doesn't seem someone who's, like, a, a, you know, a big risk taker. He's sure. just more of an opportunist. Well, um, I would disagree. So, like, I mean, I don't think he's, like, thrilled by the risk in the way that, like, we're used to, you know, that, like, a character being. But, yeah. you know, he jumps off that high ledge into the river. He, like, runs mm-hmm. naked through the woods. He, like, you know, like, his life, he doesn't seem to be afraid of risk in the same way yeah. you know and like he's just i agree willing to go for it but i also feel like he's someone who like seizes opportunities whenever possible totally. and so i feel like he would be someone who could be like okay here's the next right. level to this now um and he just doesn't yeah. so it's, i mean, it almost needed yeah. like the the guy needed to be almost like a little there just needed to be one more obstacle like he refuses mm-hmm. to sell milk to anyone in the town. You know, like, yeah. he's hoarding the cow to himself. Or, you know, something more to, yeah. to make it be like, well, this is their only option. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And. Yeah. You, you got to be meaner to your characters. There's There's got to be much more, like, right. difficulty through this. But for them to make the decisions that they're making. And they're because everybody is so gentle, it feels a little weird for them to be making the choices yeah. that they are. What I will say the that there were moments that I found truly thrilling. Like I, I couldn't believe how much I loved the tenderness in, that this character got to present, like mm-hmm. display. The moment, I mean, there's plenty of them, but the moment where he's over at King Lou's little house for the first time, and he brings in some wildflowers and puts them in yeah. a little bottle, I almost screamed because I was like, <laughs> oh my god. He just wants to make the home nice, you know? It's not even just... Because, like, before that moment, he's, like, sweeping and he's kind of cleaning. And that can also be interpreted as just wanting to be useful, right? Mm -hmm. But it's... Yeah. But with the moment he brought the flowers in, it's like, no, he just wants things to be nice. He just wants to live a nice little life in a nice (laughs) little home. He just wants to bake. And And how excited he is by baking. Like, like... Every time he's just like very excited about like oh, how do I make this better? How do I like everything about that oh. is so lovely and just so I just fun to watch. Related to him so much, it's like oh I am you. <laughs> I I feel the same way. And then the 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 moment where he covers his boots that he was so excited about. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then I'm just gonna list them all. Um. <laughs> and then. The, I mean, I think the the peak moment is him talking to the cow. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have never seen a scene that made me, like, love a character more, I think, than the way he talked to that cow. Oh, what a, I mean, so uh, the way I feel about those scenes and this character, I think, is also what makes me upset with this movie. Because... Mm-hmm. The potential. I think of a movie like Patterson that, like, 
Did you see Patterson with Adam Driver? I have not seen Patterson. No. That movie, talk about not having a plot. Like, this movie feels overly plotted compared to Patterson. Like, Patterson is mm-hmm. plotless. But I was really invested and charmed by Patterson. But that is a movie that fully committed to just examining a gentle character, you know? Just examining him, and that really is it. And I think ultimately that's what I wished this movie could have been. Is I wish this movie could have just committed to the gentleness of this character and it being just about that. Would you say, even though Patterson doesn't have much of a plot, would you say it has conflict? Yes. Yes. I think that for me is what I was missing here. Like up until the end, it doesn't have conflict. And I kept looking for areas where conflict would show up. So like when, with the boots, like one of the guys mentions his boots and I'm like, this is going to be an area of conflict. And then it's not. And then at the beginning, one guy mentions like, once you get your money, I'm going to be waiting for you. Right. And that just kind of gets dropped. And so there's all these places where you're like, Ooh, is this going to be a a conflict point? And it never is until we start to get to the end. And you're like, okay, well, here's the obvious conflict that is, could easily be avoided. (laughs) So, Right. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, I, as much as this movie is a movie about friendship, I wish it could have been more about friendship, you know? Agreed. Yeah. I wish it could have been I would have <laughs> more conversations between the two of them, more affection, yes. more just like, mm-hmm. like, let that be really what the movie's about and not about mm-hmm. the, the milk and the cow and let yeah. it be really about these two men learning about each other, caring for one another, you know? Um yeah. I I I really would have loved that. Um, 100% agree. Yeah. So, I mean like we've we've said multiple times, this movie really is just it's not bad, it's just not what we wanted. Definitely. Um So, if 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 listening to this makes it sound like you are interested in this. Yeah. Please, please watch it. And I would love to hear what you have to think about it. Because I would love to hear from some people who loved it. Sure. Because um, I want to love it, I think, yeah. is where I come down to. But somebody, somebody, please tell me why they love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I really, I also just want to say that I did find some journalists who attempted to make the oily cakes that are in this movie. And oh, yeah. that is something that I think I want to try to do just for the yeah. maybe around Oscar season. If it gets Oscar buzz, that will be yeah something I'll endeavor. Um, nice. Yeah. That'll well, be good. is there anything else you'd like to say about First Cow before we sign off? I don't think so. All right. Where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff on Twitter. And I don't. I said everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Lucas it. and Stuff. <laughs> and you can find me everywhere at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon. Okay. That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 